From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN's Tournament Betting Breakdown with analysis on betting all 32 first round matchups with Tim Murray and Matt Humans. Here is Stormy Bonatoni. We are off and running for hour three of our tournament betting breakdown. Stormy Bonatoni doing her best Tim Murray impression to welcome us back to hour three. <laughs> I like how you said we're show. off and running. That's, yeah, that's, that's, what I was, that's what I was going for. <laughs> uh, we'll also check in throughout the hour with Matt Humans, Greg Hoops Peterson over at our VSIN studio at the South Point. Talking through all of the incredible games, seedings, matchups, lines that have come out, lines that have moved, handle on games. So a lot to get to throughout this final hour of the show. And welcome again to any of our listeners or viewers that are checking in with us for the very first time since we have free tournament betting breakdown today, which is really awesome for anybody checking in with us. Uh, wanted to get some more thoughts for you on that Murray State San Francisco game we left off before the break and just how you feel that one's going to play out. Yeah, I, I think, uh, honestly, Stormy, this might be a no bet for me uh, because, uh, you know, you're looking at San Francisco. They've been battle tested. Uh, you know, I loved earlier in the year. Uh, they had their COVID situation going on and uh, they had a they had a game canceled and they found a way to get a neutral site game against Loyola Chicago. Uh, the Ramblers ended up winning the uh, the Missouri Valley Conference. So, uh, you know, they've been tested. Uh, they were struggling at times. Uh, didn't really take any bad losses. A home loss to Portland was was a bit head scratching. So you've got some losses on the resume. You saw a team that, you know, went down big against Gonzaga in the semifinals, battled all the way back. Uh, this is the first time they've been in the tournament for for quite some time. Um, you know they they had some injury concerns uh, with uh, with with uh, Malaski there. So uh, I'm going to stay off this one. I think it's a, an incredible situation there though. Murray mm-hmm. State getting all the way up to the seven line after winning the OVC. Like I said, they haven't lost in 2022. They went undefeated in the OVC, went 2-0 and in the conference tournament. Uh, once again, Moorhead State gave them everything they could handle uh, in that game. Uh, but uh, this is going to be a stay away for me uh, as of right now. Well, and if San Francisco does get the upset, like you said, they're not going to get that Kentucky-Kentucky matchup mm-hmm. The people might be hollering for in that region. But the Kentucky Wildcats... A number two seed taken on St. Peter's, a 15 seed. Another huge spread in this one. Last I checked it was 17 and a half. Um, but a, a huge number for a Kentucky team that's been a little bit up and down. They should get the job done, though, pretty easily. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, St. Peter's, I think a lot of people, when you thought about the MAC, that's uh, with two A's. Just to, Return to, of the MAC. Um, no? Okay. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, I mean, when we sing about that, we're talking about action. This is Mac action with the double A's. But St. Peter's coming out of the Mac. Uh, Iona was upset uh, by Ryder in that conference tournament. So here come the Peacocks, and they're able to uh, to slip their way in. 
the, the whole thing about Kentucky is at their peak, they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country. I believe that with Ty Ty Washington, with Wheeler, with the likely player of the year in Oscar Toshibwe, uh, they get bounced by Tennessee, uh, a tricky matchup there for them. Uh, so, you know, this is another situation. You know, we talked to Hoops Peterson uh, about, you know, uh, Yale going up against um, against Purdue and that that size. I mean, who on St. Peter's is slowing down Oscar Tashibwe and with the backcourt there? So uh, you look at St. Peter's, they're getting hot. They've won seven straight. I mean, this is a team that started, you know, 10 and six in the MAC. The MAC is, you know, a conference that is considered 19th best in the country, uh, but they still found their way to get hot at the right time. I, I just think if you're running into a full strength Kentucky, uh, this could be a situation where we might see this number go up. Even though Ken Palm mm-hmm. has it at 15, I think this has the potential uh, of a blowout there for the for the Wildcats. And you know, for them, I actually like their draw a little bit in the bottom of the East region uh, with Purdue as their three seed. We know how pretty much Purdue struggles defensively. I think with that size, Oscar. Toshibwe uh, against those bigs in Purdue. If we ultimately get that matchup, uh, I think Kentucky's got a decent road uh, to get to the East Region Final uh, there in that uh, portion of the bracket. Yeah, interesting to have a really interesting um, section in the East, I think. The Midwest has some interesting matchups as well. We touched on Wisconsin-Colgate a little bit in the 314 matchup, but the 7-10 with USC and Miami, a really short spread there. USC favored by just a point and a half. Yeah, I like Miami uh, in this spot. Uh, I'm a big Jim Laranega fan. I think he's a tremendous coach. I think he's a better coach than Andy Enfield. And I think that is going to be shown. Andy Enfield is a tremendous recruiter. Obviously, he's known for uh, his run that he took Florida Gulf Coast on. That got him the USC job. Last year, USC was able to get to the Elite Eight where they ultimately bowed out to Gonzaga. I think this is just a different team. And we talked about it a little bit when this bracket was uh, revealed. Uh, and some people might be surprised, Stormy, to say, well, why is USC a seven seed? Because they're a bit of a paper tiger. I, I think they're a bit fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an opportunity where you look at a USC team down the stretch, got blown out by Arizona in a high-profile game at home, lose their regular season finale uh, to UCLA, don't cover, get the win, come back to beat Washington, and then lose by double figures to UCLA. This is a team that needed double overtime, you know, just like mm-hmm. two weeks ago to beat Oregon State, who went, Ugh. what, winless? or what, they, I think they won three, one game. They had three wins all yeah. year. So what are we doing here with this USC team? Obviously, they've got Isaiah Mobley, who is uh, a, a elite shot blocker, but I think Miami... Uh, they, I, I liked what I saw from them in the uh, in the conference tournament. They needed overtime to beat it. You know, not so great Boston College team, which is which is fair. But uh, I like the guard play there uh, with the Hurricanes. I like the coaching matchup against Andy Anfield. Mm-hmm. I think Miami uh, should win this matchup against USC. I agree with the thought that the Trojans are a bit of a paper tiger. I think they rely on their height and their size a little bit too much. The foul shooting, a glaring issue with them. They don't force many turnovers. A lot of things. And remember, they um, started thirteen and zero, so they got you know inflated in the rankings but as Chris Angels will let you know he makes the ratings not the rankings and that's why I think you're seeing them you know Ken Palm was never in love with them Uh, the advanced market never really was a big fan of USC and you're seeing that now getting the seven seed despite going 26 and seven this year well as promised let's send it back out to our VEASAN studio at the South Point Matt Humans with Greg Hoops Peterson what's your guys's feel on that 710 with USC and Miami Miami, we're going to talk about another 7-10-2, Murray State and San Francisco. That's going to be a good one. Uh, Greg, I, you know, of all the first-round matchups, I think uh, the USC-Miami games one that 
uh, I'm probably not going to play, and I don't have a strong opinion on right now and don't think I'll develop one this week. What about you? Because Tim's looking at what he thinks is a coaching advantage for Miami. Let me tell you about that coaching advantage. You've got Andy Enfield 10-1 and against the spread in his career in NCAA tournament games. You've also got the size advantage here with USC. And you've got a guy in 6'10", Isaiah Mobley, who's able to shoot 38% from three-point range. He's able to give you eight rebounds. You know where Miami really falters? On defense and rebounding. I think that that is something that is really important to take a look at. Now, USC, not great at the free line. They shoot right around 66 67% at the free line. But in Pac-12 play, they were a little bit better, shooting more around 71 72% at the charity stripe and we've seen them with Miami they don't play really much defense whatsoever it's a USC team that they've got a guy in Drew Peterson he's got a great name and he's able to shoot 40 percent from three-point range able to give you right around 11 to 12 points per game so I like USC here I did wind up setting them as a little bit more of a three and a half point favorite so I think that USC gets the job done here all right that's interesting Stormy calls the Trojans paper tigers and Greg Peterson says He's gonna he's gonna back the Trojans in this game. Okay, so let's go to seven ten. Murray State, the big three for the Racers out out of the Ohio Valley. KJ Williams, Tevin Brown, and Justice Hill. And uh, this Murray State team comes in thirty and two. I, I find this game intriguing because you're talking about Murray State, San Francisco, and uh, DraftKings open to pick him, and South Point opens San Francisco minus two and a half. What are you looking at here? Yeah. Tim mentioned the injury to Mazliski, the big man for San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I think that that's big because he's a guy that gives the team nine rebounds per contest. You want to be checking in on his status because even if he plays but is less than 100%, they just stand no shot against a Murray State team that they've got a guy in six foot ten. K.J. Williams, who's able to shoot threes. He's able to give you right around 15 points, eight rebounds per contest. And then on top of that, you've got Tevin Brown, who is one of the best scorers that you're going to find in all of college basketball. 18 points per contest. They brought in a transfer from South Carolina in Trey Hannibal. He's done a good job of being able to fortify a team that, out of your top five scores, all of them give you at least a steal per contest. And this is a Murray State team that they're just absolutely remarkable on defense. They're in the top 25 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. San Francisco is relatively solid as well. Jamari Boye is a guy that's able to give you 18 points per contest. Khalil Shabazz has been able to help out in the backcourt as well, but with San Francisco, not necessarily a lot of depth with this team. Murray State is a little bit shaky at the free line, but really both of these teams shoot sub 72% on the free line, so I think that that's a little bit of a wash. I'm going to trust in Murray State here. I do think that they should be a little bit more of a favorite. I set them more around a three to four point favorite, so I'm going to ride with the racers. And again, like I said here at the South Point, San Francisco open minus two and a half. I'm with you. Uh, it's unanimous. I like Murray State in this game, too. That's going to be one of my best bets in the first round. So uh, Greg and I both on the racers. One more game to talk about. That's the uh, 7-10 matchup in the East. Also in that bracket, Kentucky and St. Peter's. Uh, quick thoughts on Oscar Shibway and the Wildcats against St. Peter's. Well, you've got a guy in Casey Undefu down low for St. Peter's who actually led all of college basketball in terms of blocks per game last season. Had a little bit of fall off at the beginning part of the season. Did not wind up committing to St. Peter's until the late summertime. I think he might have been a little bit out of shape. Now he's totally in shape. This is a St. Peter's team that in terms of points a lot on a per possession basis, they're in the top 10 in all of college basketball. They do a very solid job and then they've got a couple guys that are able to go bombs away from three. Doug Egbert, Egbert along Daryl Banks, third. Both of these guys combine to shoot 39% from three. You don't necessarily get a lot of scoring with this team. They do turn the ball over a lot, but Kentucky doesn't do the world's greatest job of being able to force turnovers. So I think that St. Peter's is going to be able to do a solid job with their defense. Mm -hmm. I actually think they match up a little bit better than against Sheboy than a lot of people think. So I want to saying this line at 13. I'm willing to take 17 plus here with St. Peter's. All right. South Point opens 17 and a half. 
uh, Kentucky, the favorite in that game. Again, that's the 2-15 matchup in the East. Back to the dynamic duo at Circus Sportsbook. Dynamic. I love it. Um, <laughs> there, there are a lot of interesting matchups in the East, though. If you, As you look at that corner of the bracket, what do you think is going to be the best, most competitive game among those in the East? I think Texas Virginia Tech uh, is is pretty fascinating. You look at you know I mean outside of Murray State and San Francisco, um, mm-hmm. you know I, I do look at UNC and Marquette, the eight nine matchup in the yeah. East region as a, as a little bit of a lean towards North Carolina. I mentioned Marquette faded a bit uh, down the stretch of the season, but uh, I'm really curious to see Texas versus Virginia Tech. I do think Virginia Tech. My gut is telling me that they're going to get some public backing the way that they finished winning the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see where that line ultimately moves. But I think that has the the, the, the makings of a, a fascinating match up there. Plenty more ahead on our tournament betting breakdown show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is VSIN's Tournament Betting Breakdown with Tim Murray and Matt Humans. Here is Stormy Bonatoni. The college basketball season is in full swing. Grab a five-hour energy and stay alert to watch all your favorite games. Or if you stayed up late to see that intense overtime game, take a five-hour energy shot in the morning so you can energize your whole day with zero sugar and unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine. It's the perfect pick-me-up for getting stuff done. Go to 5hourenergy.com to find all 15 flavors to choose from with flavors like grape, tropical burst, cherry, blue raspberry, and more. There's a flavor for everybody. Get five-hour energy today. I've got the energy up as does Tim Murray here on set with us, Matt Humans and Greg Hoops Peterson at our sister studio over at the South Point as well. Let's get into some of these first four games because we heard Greg talk about it off the top. This is one of the most wide open tournaments that we've had in a really long time. I think it was Derek Stevens who said this is going to be the best tournament in the history of tournaments, but there are a number of teams that have to play an extra game in order to get into this tournament, which begins on Tuesday, goes through Wednesday as well. Wright State and Bryant, one I think is very interesting, one that's Odds makers think is going to be very competitive as well. Tim Bryant getting a point and a half. Yeah, Bryant. Uh, I was saying, if you stayed up late, uh, Yolo Humans, uh, you had to you know wait out and cash your seven to one future on the Big West. Shout out to Mister Humans on Fullerton bringing home that Big West title. But one of my favorite plays on Veasan.com for Conference Tournament Week was Bryant winning that Northeast Conference, and you know they uh, I guess got some. Poor uh, pub by what unfolded in the bleachers uh, yep. in that NFC championship game. But 
this is an elite offense. That's what they do well. Uh, you know, they they are going to run up and up and down the floor, and that's why you're looking at a really high total uh, mm-hmm. of 152, 152, uh, 51 and a half. So uh, Bryant has the nation's leading scorer in Peter Kiss. Uh, he is uh, charismatic, to say the least. Uh, I think the nation is going to get to know him a little bit better. So I was almost happy to see Bryant uh, land in this spot. And for Wright State, an impressive run uh, to the Horizon League title, uh, beating Cleveland State, the top seed in the semifinals, then eking past Northern Kentucky coming back to win that game. So a really intriguing matchup. I would anticipate a a handful of points. I mentioned that total 152. Ken Palm has it 159. So it comes something to keep in mind there uh, with Bryant, who's going to want to run and and, uh, have a pretty up-tempo. Wright State also up-tempo as well, top 100 in tempo. So uh, I would lean a little bit towards the dog here in Bryant uh, just because I'm a little bit more familiar with them uh, and the prolific scores that they have on that roster. So I think Bryant has an opportunity uh, to go to Dayton and get this victory. YOLO humans, do you agree with the the high-flying offense that we could see in this Bryant-Wright State game? Yeah, I agree with what Tim was saying there about Peter Kiss and uh, Bryant. I I like this team a lot. In fact, I made Bryant a small favorite in this game. And I think, uh, Greg, when we look ahead to the next round, let's say if Bryant advances, Arizona-Bryant, that matchup, how high do you set the total? Because both those teams can score. They want to get up and down the court, and that's what intrigues me when I look ahead in this bracket. I like Bryant a little bit over Wright State, but I'd like to see the Bryant-Arizona matchup. Yep, if you wind up seeing Bryant versus Arizona, that's probably going to have the highest total of any game that we mm-hmm. see in the tournament. So you get like South Dakota State versus Arizona somehow, some way. That would be insane. But I actually made Wright State a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I really like this Wright State team, the five way that they've half. been able to. Yep, wow. five-and-a-half. I okay. like this Wright State team, the way that they're going to be able to pound the glass in this one. Hal Alisaias for Bryant is able to give you two-and-a-half blocks per game. But we talk about offensive efficiency. Bryant in terms of points scored on a per possession, basis. Warren 35th. Wright State is actually in the top 60. They were terrible at being able to shoot threes towards the beginning part of the season. They had a cataclysmically bad non-conference in which they were just getting pounded night in and night out. They really found something in Horizon League play, though. It's a Bryant team that they were able to catch a second win in Northeast Conference play as well as they wound up struggling out of the gates. I do like this Wright State team with what you're able to get out of Tanner Holden. 20 points, 7 boards. Peter Kitts, leaders, leading scorer in all of college basketball, but Bryant, outside the top three with regards to three-point shooting percentage, I think that that's going to be an issue against a right state team that it's rather south down low. All right, Greg Peterson, not much respect for the Bryant Bulldogs <laughs> making right state five and a half. And I know we talked a little bit earlier about the Wyoming Indiana game, but another interesting one in the first four has got to be Rutgers Notre Dame. And and Greg, I'd like to go back to you on this one <laughs> and just see what your initial feel was for that game as it came out. Notre Dame, a team that thought a, a week or so ago was going to be sitting pretty at a nine seed, finds itself in a play-in spot. Yeah, when it comes down to this one, I want to make Rutgers a three-point favorite because with mm-hmm. Rutgers, they're a team that they've been able to do a little bit of a better job away from the rack. Being able to get that win against Wisconsin was huge for me. You've got a guy in Ron Harper Jr. that I think is going to be the best player out there on the floor. I know that a lot of people like to get a lot of love to the guys from Notre Dame that are able to shoot from three, but it's a Rutgers team that they've got Harper Jr. is able to shoot 40% from three. Gives you 17 points per contest. And what is big is that Notre Dame is playing no defense whatsoever. This team is outside the top 125 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession base. Basis. Rutgers typically not the same team away from the rack. They've been able to even things out a little bit more on the road. I think that's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. Both of these teams outside the top 250 with regards to possessions per game. But I do think that Rutgers with Caleb McConnell giving you nearly two and a half steals per game. Get the job done. I made them a three point favorite. All right.
on the same page there because I made Rutgers a two-point favorite in this game. It's a basically pick them in the betting market right now. Uh, I like Ron Harper Jr., and I love the way the Scarlet Knights defend. And uh, that, that team gets after you on the defensive end of the floor, and I, I tend to lean to the teams that play better on the defensive end of the floor in matchups like this. But I will say Tim Murray's Irish have surprised me this season. I watched this team in November in Vegas, and uh, I thought Mike Bray was going to struggle to win 15 games. And somehow Bray got the Irish to 22 wins. They did allow 87 points, not lost to Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament. But Greg and I both like Rutgers over Murray's Irish in this matchup. Are you being biased, Tim? How do you feel? Well, the last time I saw Notre Dame, I bet heavily against them in Virginia Tech. I thought that was a, a terrible <laughs> matchup. And, uh, and guys, you know, Notre Dame, it felt like they were living off of the Kentucky win. They have two wins uh, among the quad one, four wins between one and two. And, you know, this is a team that was fortunate that they were in a down ACC. So I don't disagree. I, I think, you know, the Big Ten, I've heard a lot of people, guys, say we want to collectively fade the Big Ten. Uh, but in my opinion, yes, Notre Dame certainly could get hot from three and win this game in Dayton. Uh, but I would take a team in Rutgers who, when you look at, you know, what they've done so far this year, how good is your good, uh, they've been able to beat some of the elite teams in the country. So, the you know, the numbers didn't like them, but they had six wins in the quad one, nine total quad one and two so uh, I'm with you guys uh, I'm with Rutgers in this spot hey I want to throw it back to you guys though because uh, Alabama has been maybe the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the country this year they've beaten Gonzaga oh. they've had some big time wins let's say Rutgers for argument's sake advances past Notre Dame how do you think that matchup will play out there in San Diego between the Crimson Tide and the Scarlet Knights well, I'd probably lean Rutgers, Greg, just because Alabama's, like Greg, like Tim just said, such a tough team to predict. Oh, I'm right there with you. It's an Alabama team that if they're able to get past that game, they could be able to make a great run because they wound up knocking off the two teams that wound up making the national title game last season in Gonzaga Baylor. They also lost to a Georgia team that has a coach or did have a coach because he's out can that was riding the coattails of Dwayne Wade for 20 years. So, I mean, it's just a case in which you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of Alabama. If they win that game, they're going to be able to make a run, but I could easily see them going down in flames, even if it is Notre Dame. And Alabama, meanwhile, has lost three straight games, four of their last six, didn't exactly finish strong the end of the year either. Um, but let's move ahead to that other 16-16 play-in game, fighting to have a game against Kansas, but nobody, I'm sure, really wants to be put in that situation. But Texas Southern and A&M Corpus Christi going head-to-head. -head. Greg, where did you put your line for that play-in? I want to making Texas Southern a one-point favorite with Texas Southern. They do have the better defense. They bring in Bryson Gresham, guy that actually saw starts for the Final Four Houston team from last year. So they will give you 7.7 .7 boards and a block for contest. But Simeon Fryer is really standing out to me for Texas A&M Corpus Christi. They've been able to catch their seed legs because he's been able to give them another dimension out there in the backcourt. Last seven games, averaging 10.5 points per contest, shooting 45.5% from three-point range. And then Isaac Mushila is one of the more versatile guys they're going to find at the mid-major level. Gentleman that comes in from the Congo, 6 of Five combo player that gives you 15 points, nine rebounds. Southland champions, I think, are going to be very live. Wound up seeing this open up in a lot of places. Three, I think Texas Southern, just because they are a better defense, they wind up winning the game outright. But it's a Texas Southern team that they shoot sub 70% at the free line, one of the worst three point shooting teams in all of college basketball. So I think the Corpus Christi a lot is very live here. All right. Do you say a gentleman that comes from the Congo? Yes. Okay. All right. So Texas AM Corpus Christi is a team I bet a few times this year. I like Corpus Christi and the Islanders. 
Raiders catching a four. I think that was the opener here at the South Point was four, and I thought that number, like you said, was going to be closer to one, one and a half, something like that. So we'll see if that has that number been adjusted a little bit. The South Point opener four, I think, is down to three. So I've seen a lot of threes. Okay, mostly three in the market on that one. Appreciate Tim. What were your, was your feel on that game? Yeah, um, uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll leave it to those two guys uh, <laughs> on uh, on Cor- I mean, Corpus Christi. Uh, they went into the Southland Conference. They beat the I think it was the odds-on favorite, or they were on plus one ten. Nickel State, so an impressive performance. And Texas Southern, to their credit, uh, they started zero and seven this year uh, to the start of the season. They've started to round into form here, and they beat Alcorn State, the number one seed in the SWAC, running away with it uh, in that championship. So two teams that certainly weren't the favorites to come out of their conference playing head ahead uh, but both those guys uh, seem uh, split on it uh, I'll just uh, I'll sit back and uh, and have uh, no play on on Corpus Christi against Southern yeah those were two teams that I didn't follow closely this year so great to have a couple of experts that did dive into those for teams that are a little bit under the radar for a lot of us as betters when we come back plenty more games to come still some teams we haven't even touched on like Auburn Jacksonville State you won't want to miss it Sins Tournament Betting Breakdown with Tim Murray and Matt Humans. Here is Stormy Bonatoni. The KFC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer. That's why it's finger looking, looking good, my friends. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today as we roll along here with our betting bracket breakdown. Stormy Bonantoni and Tim Murray in studio here at Circa Resort and Casino. Matt Humans and Greg Hoops-Peterson at our sister studio over at the South Point. We're going to break down here some of these two seeds taken on the 15s and Matt, I'm going to start with you uh, on this Auburn-Jacksonville State game. Auburn obviously upset by Texas A&M in the SEC tournament this past week, but ended the year with a 27-4 and regular season record. How do you feel about their opening draw? I mean, obviously a huge favorite. I think I see 17 right here. And where does KFC also rank on your fast food rankings <laughs> while we're at it? <laughs> All right, first of all, Stormy, it's, it's not fair to go to me now because you're taunting me with the uh, KFC chicken sandwich, <laughs> hungry, which I'm sure I know. you know I love. So now I'm, complete, I'm completely distracted, Greg, and I want to go eat at KFC now, and now she's going to ask me to break down the Auburn game. I'm just thinking about chicken sandwiches. Uh, here's... Auburn is going to be a team I'm looking to fade in this tournament. I don't know if it's going to be in this first game, but the Tigers obviously have a lot of problems away from home, and... Uh, I'm not sure if this is the right opponent where I want to take the points, though. And, um, Greg, I see the number sitting around 17. And uh, is that enough to get you on the dog? Because I haven't made up my mind on this game yet, but I, I am planning to fade Auburn in some spots in this tournament. Yep, I did make my number 14. I'm going to be all aboard Jacksonville State because Jacksonville State is a team that they're able to sizzle from three-point range in the top 10 in all of college basketball. Shooting is a collective 38.8%, and you just take a look at this team. Darian Adams is a good stat sheet stuffer, 15.5 points, four assists, five boards. The one concern that you've got with Jacksonville State, this is a team that they turn the ball over a little bit too much, but they've got a coach in Ray Harper that has been able to do some solid things in the NCAA tournament, has been in playing games before where Western Kentucky 
I believe, wound up winning a game or two when he was the coach over there. And he's just been overall a solid guy that has been able to do a good job with this Jacksonville State team. They're going to have their problems down low, no question about it. Walker Kessler gives you four blocks per contest in the top three in all of college basketball with that regard. But I think that Jacksonville State is going to be able to do enough on the outside with Jalen Gibbs, a transfer from Mount St. Mary's, being able to give you right around 40% three-point shooting to keep this team alive. You're going to hear some people say Jacksonville State shouldn't even be in this tournament. Yes, that, that <laughs> yes. is going to be very intriguing because, I mean, Bellarmine, very sad what wound up happening to them. Yeah, won the conference tournament, but ineligible for the NCAA tournament. Uh, DraftKings opened to Auburn 17, South Point opened 15 and a half. Uh, back to you guys. Yeah, and uh, I agree. I mean, I think it's an outdated, ridiculous rule uh, that you have to transition from D2 to D1, but whatever. Jacksonville State is in. Uh, I do want to stick with another 215, and I want to throw it back to those guys because uh, – Duke has been fadeable in the NCAA tournament since they last won their championship in 2015, Stormy. They're 4-9 and nine ATS since they cut down the nets in 2015. Oh, by the way, they're 0-4 ATS in their last four games. Lost to Virginia Tech. Didn't cover either one of their games in the earlier rounds of the ACC tournament. And, of course, did not cover in a 13-point regulation loss against North Carolina. So, uh, Matt Eumann's uh, Titan squad there, Cal State mm-hmm. Fullerton, is catching seven. 17 and a half. You can even get an 18 at DraftKings, Matt. Uh, an opportunity here to uh, to fade Duke in the first round? It might be, Tim. And, uh, you know, I, as you mentioned, I took Fullerton 7-1 to one to win the Big West Tournament. I went out and watched some of those games. I like this Fullerton team a lot. You got E.J. Anasicki in the low post, Tennessee transfer, uh, who could put up a double-double. Uh, now, he's going to obviously uh, struggle, I think, against Duke's bigger front line here. But you also have guards who can knock down threes. And that's one thing, when you're looking for an underdog that's going to be live, it's got to be a team that can light it up from three. And I think Fullerton can do that. And uh, Damari Milstead's one of those guys on the perimeter. DraftKings open this Duke 19. Greg, I was looking, I was interested in taking the points with the Titans here. I'm not sure if I'm going to play it, but for me, it's going to be Fullerton or pass. What do you see? I wound up saying this line at 14. Now, Fullerton is a team that they don't take a lot of threes. Among 358 D1 teams, they're outside the top 330 with regards to the total three-point shot attempts, but Trey Maddox, Damari Milstead, who you mentioned, they are able to combine for about three steals per game, and it's been a Duke team that, towards back half of the season, they have been a little bit more loose with the ball, and Duke has been a team that's been in the top 10 in regards to offensive efficiency all season long, but the defense has been a little bit lax. You mentioned Anasiki. He actually started out his career at Sacred Heart, averaged a double-double two seasons ago. A guy that is fully capable of being able to put up some good numbers. I don't think that he winds up completely neutralizing Paul Boncaro, but I think that he's going to be able to hold his own, and it's a Duke team that you just really can't trust them with being able to guard a little bit more inside along with on the perimeter as well as the guard play has been a little bit suspect. So I'm looking at the points here of Fullerton. You know, in that uh, win last night for Fullerton in the Big West title game, Anasiki had 22 points and eight rebounds. He's a big-time player for the Big West. In the uh, previous game, I went to uh, when Fullerton took down Hawaii 58-46. to You said Fullerton doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but they shot very efficiently from three that night, 11 for 20, I think, from the three-point line in that game. So they got guys who can knock them down. Uh, I think Greg and I are interested in the dog in that one against Duke. Yeah, no doubt. Couldn't agree with you more. Tim, you had another follow-up there? Well, yeah, I just think that pod is fascinating because, you know, Davidson opened as a as a favorite, and uh, as everyone knows, it's the Foster Lawyer revenge game uh, as he transferred from Michigan State uh, to Davidson. So uh, you saw Davidson earlier today uh, fall to Richmond in the A-10 final. 
you know, blowing a five-point lead late in that game. So uh, early market move on Michigan State, though, as as I'm trying to pull up the the most recent line on uh, on Michigan State. But you know, hoops. I want to go back to you on this one because Davidson is, an, is one and a half. Just it, FYI, minus one and a half. Michigan State on DraftKings. Yeah, uh, who, uh, Davidson is a squad that can light it up from three. Top ten in the country in three-point shooting field goal percentage. Michigan State struggling a bit down the stretch, uh, but you know you, you're seeing a bit of a flip of a favorite. I think Davidson opened as a favorite in some spots. What did you make this line uh, with Davidson and Michigan State? I've got Davidson a one and a half point favorite. I do think that they're going to be able to get the job done. You mentioned it with Foster <laughs> Lawyer having a big time revenge game in this one. And when it comes to this Davidson team, they're actually scoring more points on a per possession basis on the road or in a neutral court than at home. They've already got a signature win on the resume. They were able to go to the state of Alabama, knocked off the Crimson Tide earlier in the season. And they've got a Luke guy in Luka Bravich who's six foot ten, comes in from Austria, is able to give you 15 points, seven and a half boards. He shoots over 40% from three with Davidson. This is a team that among their top five players that made at least one three-pointer, all but one of them shoot at least 39% from three-point range. It is balanced. And in a road and neutral court environment, they shoot over 41% from three-point range. Michigan State, they don't have a single guy with regards to all these metrics that ranks in the top 300 with regards to offensive efficiency. You've got one guy in Gabe Brown that gives you more than nine points per game. Mm -hmm. It's not a vintage Michigan State team. I love Tom Izzo in March. I just think that he's up against it with his roster. I'd like Davidson to be able to get the job done. And if they wind up drawing Duke, Duke better be careful because that is an upset candidate to be able to be a 10 seed to go to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I think Tim talked about it early in the show. you got to defend the three-pointer if you're playing Davidson. And Duke has not been very good at that. Uh, so I like Davidson in the matchup against Michigan State. That's a 7-10 game in that bracket with uh, Duke and Fullerton. By the way, Fullerton shot 11 for 19 from three against UC Davis. But uh, that's... If you can shoot the three like that, they're going to be able to hang within the number against the Blue Devils. It appears to be a sweep of us here on set thinking that Davidson's going to have the better of Michigan State and just what a tough draw that would be for Duke coming up in that next game. I mean, of Duke, Duke's first four losses throughout the course of the season were by a combined nine points, and now the last two games that they've lost have been by double digits apiece. Their communication issues, particularly defensively, have been evident. Let's go over to the south side of the bracket, though. Another one of those 215 matchups, fellas. Villanova taken on Delaware Villanova huge 16 point favorite could Delaware be live though as a dog Tim what are your thoughts first yeah I think Villanova with the veteran presence uh and there's just so well coached and I just mean covering I don't mean upset yeah, city we I mean know Delaware <laughs> look give Delaware a ton of credit I like Towson a lot uh they were able to beat the top seed uh in the CAA on a neutral floor uh so Towson is uh you know obviously not going to the dance of so Delaware Coached by Martin Inglesby, former Notre Dame point guard, doing uh, well as humans had to throw in a little Notre Dame shout out there. But uh, I'm not going to lay the points with Villanova uh, in this spot. Uh, but I, I just I love that pod because I think Ohio State guys is a pretty fadeable team, and uh, you get the fighting sister genes in Loyola there. So uh, what do you guys make of that pod? Ohio State, Loyola, and then Villanova taking on Delaware. I think there's going to be a lot of betters looking to uh, beat the Buckeyes in that game. I agree mm -hmm. with that. I, I'm not. I'm kind of looking to fade Ohio State. Delaware is a 22-win team that I'm not sure. I, I look for live dogs a lot in this first round, Greg, and I know you do too, but I'm not sure I'm going to play the uh, Blue Hens in this one. Um, 
I'm not not sure they can hang with Villanova for 40 minutes, but what, what was your number in that one? I wound up saying this at 13 and a half. Really? I'm taking okay. a look at Delaware. Now you've got an <clears throat> interesting storyline. Dylan Painter actually began his career at Villanova. Top rebounder has been dealing with a little bit of an injury for this team. And it's really been Jair Davis along with Andrew Carr who have really been able to manufacture some production for this team, both on the glass and with regards to being able to shoot the three for Delaware, a team that has really been able to come on down the stretch. A little bit more of a slow and controlled team. I think that they'll be able to hang in here against a Villanova team that they play super slow. When we come back, guys, we're going to wrap things up here for our three-hour tournament betting show. It's crazy how fast this has gone by, though, Tim. Um, but let's get, when we come back, let's talk through some of the teams maybe in general throughout the course of the tournament that we're going to want to fade, teams that we think that we're going to want to follow throughout, and uh, who maybe some of those biggest upsets could be. Don't go anywhere. We're going to close things out on the tournament betting breakdown show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This tournament betting breakdown with Tim Murray and Matt Humans. Here is Stormy Bonatoni. Everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy, all for just $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every single game in each round of the tournament. You'll get analysis from our experts, including who you've heard over the last few hours here on the show, Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Eumanns, Tim Murray, who's on set with us, also Jonathan Von Tobel, who will be on here in just a little bit for the next couple hours. We'll all have insights on every key team conference and player to watch from the favorites to those potential Cinderella stories. Sign up today to get the betting guide plus full access to all things VSIN through April 5th. Again, just $19 at vsin.com slash madness. Stormy Bonantoni with you along with Tim Murray here at the desk as we wrap things up for our tournament betting breakdown show. And we've gotten into the minutia of basically every single game um, here that is set as the bracket was set here this selection Sunday. And now I want to look a little bit more at the bigger picture, Tim, and, and we'll start here before we go back over to the South Point, just with regards to some teams you think might have the most favorable path to ultimately get there to win the big dance and maybe a team that you think is particularly vulnerable. I know we pointed out Duke a little bit just in this previous segment about how they could be a team that potential to be out in the second round if Davidson plays to their potential. Yeah, and I think, you know, 
that's what worries me. Uh, I, I really want to see the Davidson-Duke matchup uh, unfold, but you got to be Michigan State first, and you're a slight dog in sure. that situation. And you just lost to, you know, you just blew a lead to Richmond, who's, you know, a 12 seed in this bracket. But uh, I, do, I do think Duke... Uh, you know, to me, the deepest they're going is the Sweet 16. If they're to meet Texas Tech, I think that's a, a, a really tricky matchup. Uh, who knows what Alabama will ultimately do. But uh, I think the South region uh, is, is pretty uh, pretty manageable for Arizona, at least to make it to the Elite Eight. Um, you know, I, I don't expect them to have many hiccups there in the top portion of the bracket against Seton Hall or TCU. Uh, Houston, I just worry about the depth. Sasser being out for the year. They're playing great right now. Obviously, they get their revenge against Memphis. Uh, if Illinois makes it that far, uh, you know, you heard what Hoop said about, uh, you know, Curbelo and, and what he's meant to that lineup almost in a negative fashion. So I think Arizona's got a pretty manageable route uh, to make it to the Elite Eight. And then I think their size would be a pretty big issue if they were uh, to ultimately face Villanova. Villanova, Tennessee, I really hope we get that in the Sweet 16. I think that would would be a phenomenal uh, Sweet 16 showdown in the South region if we got chalk prevailing and Tennessee against Villanova. Well, let's toss it over to our friends at the South Point, Matt Humans and Greg Hoops Peterson over there. Matt, I'll start with you. Would love to know to you which one of those top seeds do you think could have the best chance to go all the way? I would bet a uh, KFC chicken sandwich or two on Kansas uh, getting through the Midwest region. I think the, if you look at the region, Greg, I think Kansas got a really good draw because the number four seed in that half of the bracket is Providence. And uh, the, the two seed is Auburn. The three is Wisconsin. And, and the Jayhawks just won the Big 12 tournament. And I like the Jayhawks chances to get through the Midwest region. When I look at this, I think it's going to open up. And the most vulnerable team, I'm going to say, is in that same region, and that's Providence. Friars just got blown out in the Big East tournament. Got to face the South Dakota State Jackrabbits in the first round. If you win that, you probably get the red-hot Iowa Hawkeyes in the second round. Uh, so that would be my answer for uh, the team that got the best draw and the team that's most vulnerable. Greg, what do you think? Ironically enough, the one seed that I like the most to be able to get to the Final Four is Kansas for those re reasons because you've got an Auburn team that, I mean, they just haven't performed well away from the state of Alabama. So I'm in complete lockstep there. Wisconsin has been a big, giant mystery. I do think that Gonzaga is a little bit vulnerable. You take a look at the draw that they wound up getting, and this is absolutely brutal. You have to potentially face off against Memphis in the second round. Memphis, on paper, is a top-ten team. Penny Hardaway did not do a good job of coaching this team at the beginning of the year. As a matter of fact, he was probably the worst, worst coach in college basketball in January. He has turned things around. Memphis looks like a very good team right now. They've got a guy in DeAndre Williams who's able to bomb it from three at six foot nine. Jalen Duran is one of the best post presence in all of college basketball. Well, he's able to match up with those bigs against Gonzaga. Then, if you wind up getting through that, you have to go up against Arkansas or or UConn. UConn is a team that is one of the best rebound teams in all of college basketball. They get a good job of being able to block some shots. Arkansas has been doing a great job on defense as well. And then you might get a rematch of either Texas Tech or Duke. Two teams that wound up playing against this Gonzaga team. One in Duke that wound up being able to knock them off. So Gonzaga got a really bad draw in my opinion. Well, so if you think that Memphis is a team that's capable of knocking off a Gonzaga in that second round, it, then that means to me, if you can beat Gonzaga, you can beat anybody. Is Memphis a team that you think could be worth a look down the line for the NCAA tournament? I mean, obviously a huge long shot, but is that worth backing for the first few rounds? 
for Memphis, I certainly have them getting past Boise State. I think that they would be up against it against Gonzaga, but I think that they would be able to hold in there. You would probably be able to get quite a few points in that spot, and I think that that would be about a 1-2 possession game. So I do think that Memphis would be able to hold in there. And then, I mean, with Gonzaga, having to go, go up against either UConn or Arkansas, I think either of those two teams match up actually very well with this Gonzaga team. And I've got Gonzaga number one overall in my power rankings, but this is a year in which it's all about matchups. Gonzaga is going to be facing off against a bunch of teams that they do a very good job in the post. This could not have been a much worse of a draw, in my opinion, for Gonzaga trying to get to the Final Four. All right, we're going to go around the horn real quickly as we wrap things up with these last couple of minutes. Get everybody's favorite to win the whole thing and then everybody's best bet of the opening round. So, Tim, let's start with you. Uh, my best bet, uh, I took the eight with Colgate against Wisconsin. Uh, struggling down the stretch, uh, you get a you know a, a great shooting team in the Raiders. Uh, catch an eight. Uh, a lot of those eights are gone. I think there's still an eight out there. Uh, but, yeah, that was my best bet. Uh, I do like Vermont catching the six against Arkansas as well. Uh, you know, it, you could get elite Arkansas and, and blow Vermont out, but I look at a senior-laden team, incredibly well-coached, uh, by John Becker. I'm getting some vibes of of the 2005 Vermont team. They were 13 when they beat Syracuse uh, in, uh, in, in uh, what was it, Worcester, Massachusetts. This game being played in Buffalo, so a bit of a regional draw there for Vermont as Arkansas has to come up from Fayetteville. So I do like Vermont catching the six as well. As for who will win it all, um, I actually like Kentucky coming out of the East region quite a bit. And uh, if they play at their level uh, of, of peak performance, I think Kentucky's got a real opportunity to win a national championship. I think we have a chance to get a Kentucky-Kansas uh, national championship. Uh, I'll roll uh, with uh, how good is your good. I'll roll with Kentucky, see if they can put it all together for a six-game stretch. I like it. Let's head over to Matt. What about you? What's your fav- your best bet of the opening round and who you think is going to win it all? Okay, uh, I've got actually eight eight best bets written down for the first round. But if you say I have to pick one, if I have to pick one, I'm going to go with uh, right now Murray State plus one and a half over San Francisco. I like the Racers and their big three. That's a 30-2 and two team. That's a small dog against San Francisco, and I think Murray State should be the favorite in that matchup. The team I'm going to bet or pick to win it all after watching the, looking at the bracket is I think the South sets up well for Arizona. Greg, you said Gonzaga's your number one rated team. Arizona has been my number one rated team uh, for a while. Number one or number two right there. Uh, so I'm going to go Arizona to win the whole thing and Murray State as a best bet in the first round. And then when it comes to what I like in the first round, I just think that you're catching too many points with this Montana State team. It has to be noted how different Texas Tech is when they're away from home with their offense. They score on a per-possession basis 114 points per 100 possessions when they're at home. On a road and neutral court environment, 90 That is a 24-point differential home-to-road. That is absolutely massive. They play tremendous defense, but Montana State, they come in in good form on defense as well, playing against a bunch of very up-tempo teams out there in the big sky. They've had to deal with just a whole bunch of travel all season long. These guys are not going to be phased. You don't necessarily have a ton of size when it comes to the Texas Tech team as well. And, I mean, the number has not really moved. You're seeing it anywhere between 15 and 15 and a half. I think that you've got good value there with Montana State. And when it comes to the team that I like to win the whole thing, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I like (laughs) 
Kansas. Remy Martin is back for this team. Mm -hmm. He looked very solid in those final two games of the Big 12 tournament. That is massive. And now you've got David McCormick and Jalen Wilson doing a good job down low. You had Wilson out for the first couple games of the season due to a suspension. I feel like these guys were big keys to Kansas. They were underachieving at the beginning of the season. This is a team that is peaking at the right time. I like Kansas to win the whole thing. Kentucky, Kansas, Arizona around the board. Thank you so much, Matt Humans and Greg Hoops-Peterson. They did an awesome job with us over the course of the last three hours. And, and Tim, Arizona, the thing that I have a question about is I'm trying to figure out what that team is going to look like without Kirk Risa if he's not available right away. Well, the crock thrower, Kirk Risa, uh, I think he will be back at some point. And if I'm Arizona... I'm good playing without him in the first round. I think I'm good playing without him in the second round. I mean, round. we saw what he did against you, what they did without him against Get UCLA, him back for so. the Sweet 16, but I don't think they can win a national championship without him. Uh, but they are, as you saw uh, on uh, on Saturday night, you know, even without him, they, they get out and go, man. By the way, uh, I hope Hoops Peterson is right. Uh, my biggest future bet of the season is Kansas at 14 to 1. So, uh, Hoops, you know what? I'm with you, man. Let's go, Kansas. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Let's get it done. I do like uh, I do like the draw that they have in that portion of the bracket with Iowa and Providence as the five and the four. And see, this is another reason I'm frustrated at Arkansas's draw against Vermont because I got them 80 to one a couple weeks ago. Really loved that long shot. Now I'm not so sure. That's going to do it for us here. But JVT and Amal Shah, you got three more hours of betting breakdown coming up. The kid. The kid. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.